Hey, it's Vadim. A couple of quick notes. The DIYRecordingGuys.com website is officially up and running. Yay! You might think to yourself, all right, dude, I already subscribed to the podcast and I listened to it. What could I possibly want with a website? And first of all, thank you. Thank you for subscribing and listening. Really appreciate that. There's a couple of kind of main functions of the website right now. It's going to keep expanding. But right now, there's a surprisingly good search function. So if you go on there, there's a search bar. You can search for a topic and see any episodes that have touched that topic. So for example, you could type in vocals. You'll see all the episodes that touched on recording vocals. Also, it's going to be a home for show notes. So if you go to DIYRecordingGuys.com forward slash the episode number. So for example, for this episode, it would be forward slash 33. You will have some show notes there. And the show notes are going to be more than just the show notes you see in your podcast player we're going to be putting kind of like mini blog articles about each episode. So, for example, there might be pictures there if there's um, something to show, some visual component to it, screenshots, maybe audio samples, maybe a little write-up on what we did to elaborate on it. So that's I'm very excited about kind of introducing that because I think it's very cool to be able to see some of these things in text or visually for uh, for people who are listening. Finally, there's categories, so you can just browse by categories. We do we touch different topics on this podcast, anything from you know, recording technique to promoting your music. So these are vastly different. We think they add value to our community, but you can browse there by uh, any one of those topics. Finally, as I said last week, if you're making music that has heavy guitars in it, this is one of my favorite genres to mix, and... If your mixes aren't sounding quite right, then there's a cool opportunity. You can go to my studio website, which is calmfrogrecording.com, and you can get a free test mix. No obligations. You go on the website, click the free test mix button, you fill out a little form. I send you a uh, private link where you can upload your stems, and I'm happy to chat too uh, via, via video chat if you want to talk about your project a bit. I will mix at least a portion of your song, possibly the whole song, and I will send you back a mix. Worst case scenario, you get a little reference that you can work with and improve your own mixing or use as a reference against other people doing your mixes. Best case scenario, we work together, make some cool tunes. Check that out at calmfrogrecording.com or you can email me vk at calmfrogrecording.com. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hey, it's Fadim. This is part two of our heavy guitar tone mini-series. Last week on episode 32, we talked about dialing in a heavy guitar tone. And we covered kind of some of the reasons why it's so difficult, because long story short, we have a lot of different knobs we can twist throughout our signal chain. So we talked about a methodical method we call the tone pyramid, where we can build that tone up kind of without losing our sanity. So starting at our instrument, working down the chain, and understanding what's happening at each part of the signal. So we left that episode off with a tone that we were pretty happy with. In other words, we're happy with the sound that's coming out of our amp. This week's episode, 
is all about how to capture that sound and get for a good finished recording. So a couple of notes. First of all, if you didn't love the tone we came up with, that's okay. The tone we came up with is kind of irrelevant to the methodology behind the technique. So you can use this to come up with whatever you want. I will also say that when I dial in tones, I try to dial them in kind of within the context of the mix that I already have to that point. So like maybe I just have a rough mix. For this particular project, it's a very bass guitar centric project. So I was dialing in the tone kind of with the rough bass tone already in place, looking for what the final product would sound like. So I guess the point is don't be discouraged. If you didn't love the tone, that's okay. This methodology will still help you. So when we left off, this was kind of the sound we had. This is, again, this is an unfinished production, but uh, this is pretty much the tone that I ended up with, and this is what we'll talk about capturing today. So here it is. Okay, the first thing we're going to do is take a microphone, whatever microphone we have, but we'll talk about some different types, and we're going to put it in a very specific spot in front of our amplifier. So a preference typically for loud amps is a dynamic microphone. There's no rules here, but the most classic, arguably the most classic guitar amp microphone of all time is the Shure SM57. And this is a very popular choice for a number of reasons. One is it's incredibly affordable. This microphone still retails for like $100 new. It can handle very high SPL or sound pressure level, which is great for loud amps. It sounds good. I mean, <laughs> really, I, I think I've said this before, but the kind of saying is that if you can't get a guitar amp to sound good with an SM57, you're not going to get it to sound good. So there's a lot of different choices out here. I would encourage you to start with a dynamic microphone, whatever dynamic microphone you have on hand. Uh, but if you don't have a SM57 and you're looking to pick up kind of a very versatile microphone, that's a good one to get because it's good on a lot of different sources. It's also one of the most famous snare drum microphones of all time, both for snare top and snare bottom. It's also useful on uh, vocals. You can use it on vocals. It's pretty much the same mic as the Shure SM58. Uh, you can use it on a bass guitar amp. You can use it on your toms. You can use it in a lot of different applications. So it's a very versatile mic to have. So that's usually the one I like to start with. The next thing we'll talk about is our speaker cabinet. So your speaker cabinet may have anywhere from one to, I guess, eight speakers in it if you're working on uh, like with a bass guitar cab. And you'll want to kind of take some time to see which one of those sounds best. Now, it's going to take you a little bit of time, but it's worth doing. And the way you would do this is take your SM57 and basically put it in the dead center, I would recommend as a starting point, in the dead center of the speaker. Like pick one speaker. Let's say you have four speakers. You have a 4 by 12 cabinet. Pick the top left speaker put the SM57 directly in the center of that speaker, maybe about, I like to start with about a fist width away, but you can just, as long as you're consistent, uh, you could pick any distance away and record something. 
and then repeat that test for the other speakers. And you'll find that they don't all sound the same. So you want to start by kind of figuring out which one of those do you like the best, and then that's the one we'll be using for recording. In my case, I'm using a 1x12 cabinet that I built, so this is not something I had to go through. Um, I just pretty much have the one speaker to work with. It's a 12-inch speaker, so that's the one I was using. I like to use things like, quote-unquote, fist width when I'm doing stuff with mic techniques because using things on your body, like my right fist, for example, that is a pretty fixed width, right? So I can use that consistently in any situation to kind of get a good starting point. And so I recommend you figure out something that works for you. Maybe it's like the width of two fingers, whatever, the palm of your hand, whatever you want to choose there. But it's nice to have these kind of uh, go-bys that you can consistently call upon. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about the sound coming out of the speaker. If you picture a speaker, if you're looking directly at it, you can kind of see two circles, right? You see a small circle in the center, and then you see kind of a larger circle, which is the edge of the speaker on the outside. And if you can't see this, then take a flashlight, shine it directly into your amp grill, and you should be able to see this on your speaker. Now, if we picture... Uh, the different parts of the speaker, they will sound differently at a different radius away from the center. In other words, if we put the microphone directly into the center of the small circle, which is the dust cap, you will get a different sound than if you slide that microphone two inches in any direction. Two inches to the right, two inches to the left, whatever. Uh, So for now, let's think about it in terms of it's being symmetrical. So it doesn't matter whether you slide the mic to the right or to the left. Let's just talk about the radius of the microphone away from the dead center of that speaker. So you can picture this here by using uh, kind of like a shading scheme in your mind. So pretend that the, the dead center of the dust cap, so the very, very center here, is a bright color white, okay? And then as you move outward radially, you get kind of darker, darker, darker. You get into shades of gray, shades of gray, shades of gray. And all the way out at the very edge of the speaker, you have black. Think of this as the description of the tone you're going to get. So at the very, very center of the speaker, you will get a very, very bright tone. And as you move outward away from the center in any direction, the tone will get darker and darker and darker. And this is going to be the first parameter we play with. How far away from the center do we want our microphone? So the first thing you can do is is take a recording of that microphone in the dead center position, which you may have already done in the previous exercise. So again, I like to start with one. I close my fist, and I put the microphone on one end of the fist, and I put the other end of the fist against the, the right against the speaker grill, and that's my starting distance. We'll adjust that later, but for now, let's start with that distance and put our microphone directly in the center and see what kind of sound we get. The next position we're going to try is at the kind of edge of the dust cap. So at the very edge of the small circle inside your speaker, we call that the edge of the dust cap. And we should, as we just discussed, we should get a little bit of a darker tone there. And we're just gonna see what those two things sound like. 
Now, I will give you right away a third option here, which is probably the most popular option, and it's one that I actually use as a typical starting point, which is where, so we let's just recap. We have position one, dead center. We have position two, where we've just slid the mic over uh, to the edge of the dust cap. Position three is going to be very similar to position two, but so our mic is still at the edge of the dust cap, but we're going to rotate it 45 degrees so that it's at the edge of the dust cap, but it's facing towards back towards the center of the dust cap, if that makes sense. And I'll put some pictures up of this in the show notes. That is a very popular starting position. And let's take a quick listen to what some of these things sound like. Here is our SM57 directly on center. And you can hear right away, it's kind of very bright and very fizzy, which is one of the things that we will fight with having an SM57 and with having a high gain tone dialed in. Fizz is something that we're going to be fighting a lot here. So I'm going to play that one more time and then I'm going to switch to our uh, position three, which is again, the microphone SM57 at the edge of the dust cap, but kind of rotate it to face back towards the center. So first on center, then we'll call it, uh, sorry, on axis, we'll call it the first position on axis because it's on the axis of the speaker. And then the second position, which will be off axis. I'm going to make that on-axis microphone a little bit louder so we get a little more of a level match here. All right, so starting with on-axis. Off-axis. Especially at the end there, when I kicked back the, uh, when I turned on to the on-axis mic, you can really hear that fizz come back in. Let me play that quickly one more time. I'll start with the off-axis mic this time, and then I'll switch to the on-axis mic. So you can hear there, much kind of brighter much more aggressive, and honestly, it's almost too much so. It's almost too fizzy and too bright, which is why off-axis tends to be a, uh, a popular choice when recording high-gain amps. So if you're using one microphone, this is what where you would start. You could even move the microphone uh, farther and farther off-center if you want to get a darker and darker tone. Okay, so that would be our starting point is understanding what the on-axis mic sounds like, then understanding what that off-axis sound, uh, mic sounds like, and then continuing to play with that uh, radius, so how far away the microphone is from the center to get the desired level of you know, darkness to brightness ratio, okay? Once we have that position dialed in, so once we say, okay, this is bright enough or this is dark enough, the next thing we're going to listen for is kind of low-end boominess. Okay, and this is where we get into something called proximity effect, which uh, we've talked about before in the context of recording vocals. Proximity effect is an effect that any 
microphone with a cardioid polar pattern will have. So if you remember when we talked about different types of microphones, a microphone with a cardioid polar pattern is a microphone that is very sensitive to the things in front of it, but it's very insensitive, or it's less sensitive anyway, to the things that are behind it. And this is desirable a lot of times, especially working in home studio situations, because we want the microphone to be able to reject anything that it's not looking directly at, at least to some extent, right? We don't want it to pick up the reflections that are coming off of the back wall behind the microphone, for example. So very commonly, the microphones we use have this cardioid polar pattern. The other way to think about it is kind of like a flashlight, right? If you picture you're in the dark, you turn on a flashlight, that flashlight is shining on a spot on a wall. The very center of the flashlight beam will be very bright, and then it'll get kind of dimmer and dimmer and dimmer towards the outside, and then behind the flashlight, it's really not shining any light at all. That's a nice analogy for a cardioid microphone uh, or a microphone with a cardioid polar pattern. So a Shure SM57 uh, is a microphone with a um, polar uh, cardioid, sorry, with a cardioid polar pattern, and so are many other uh, dynamic microphones. When you have a microphone with this kind of polar pattern, you get something called the proximity effect. And the proximity effect just means that the closer the microphone is to the source, the sound source, the more bass response you will have, or the boomier it will get. And I can show you this, you've probably, I always say this is like the comedian effect because comedians do this all the time on stage, right? Like they'll bring their, they'll bring their mouth really close to the microphone and get this enhanced bass response, right? So this is something we have to be aware of when we're recording guitars. And what we're going to listen for is just how boomy is the sound, or let's just think about it in terms of bass, pretend it's a bass knob. And you have to figure out, do I have too much bass or not enough bass? And then it's very simple from there. We say, if we have too much bass, we're going to move our microphone a little bit farther from the amp. If we want more bass, we're going to move our microphone a little bit closer in towards the amp. And when we say a little bit, I really mean a little bit. I'm talking like, you know, half inch, maybe even quarter inch. Small adjustments make a huge difference here. So we want to kind of be a little bit methodical here with this, uh, with this selection. So if you're recording heavy guitar amps with one microphone, this is the technique you would use, right? You start on axis, see what that sounds like, and then start moving your microphone away at a fixed distance until you get the kind of brightness to darkness you want. Then we're gonna listen for bass response. And if we want kind of a boomier sound, we're gonna move the microphone in a little bit towards the amp. If we want a less boomy sound, we're gonna move the microphone out away from the amp a little bit. All right, so that covers our one mic technique, and you can get very good results with this. I will say another thing, there's a very cool video that Ben actually showed me from Nolly Getgood of Periphery, uh, where he talks about another parameter. So to this point, we've talked about, hey, the only thing that matters is how far away your microphone is from the center of the speaker, right? If you're farther from the center, you get darker. If you're closer to the center, you get brighter. If you've looked at your speaker, you may notice that there's two little kind of blobs there for the wiring terminals. Uh, you know, there's, there's two wires that run to the speaker coil. Those are the wires that are providing the electricity to that coil to be able to move the speaker back and forth. Well, where those wires terminate in the coil, 
there'll be like two glue blobs that you might see when you look at the center of your speaker with a flashlight. And what Nolly found through playing around, because he is freaking meticulous and he's also kind of the man, is that if you put your microphone on the glue blobs, you will even get kind of a more, um, not darker sound, but you'll get, uh, there's a little bit more damping where those glue blobs are. And so you'll get kind of a, a slightly less fizzier sound. So that's another thing to try because those glue bobs will ultimately be basically where we talked about our position three or uh, kind of like at the edge of the dust cap. But what Nolly was saying was that if you're on the glue blobs versus like on the opposite side of the glue blobs, you will get a little fizzier, little brighter sound opposite the glue blobs. So this is something worth playing around with too is um, maybe try like when you're trying the edge of the dust cap, try a portion of the... Uh, the dust cap edge that has uh, is, is kind of clear of those blobs. There's nothing there. And then try right on top of those blobs and see uh, what the difference you get is. That pretty much covers the one mic technique. There are some other um, far miking techniques where, like, you could take a, uh, a microphone and, and put it farther away from the amp. But as you can imagine, one of the issues you have with a loud amp is that the sound leaving that amp is kind of bouncing all around the room. And we talk about this a lot in our acoustics episode where, you know, your microphone then, the farther you are from the amp, the microphone starts to pick up other things like early reflections from the room. And uh, you can start getting running into some acoustics issues. So typically when doing heavy loud amps, we go with this closed miking technique. But if you're looking for something a little more atmospheric, a little more well, quote-unquote roomy, right, something with a little bit of a more of a room sound, then absolutely try to pull that microphone, I would say probably keep it on center and just pull it back maybe three, four feet and just see what it sounds like. Um, if you do that, I would still try to maybe control the, the room reflections a little bit, just like when we talked about recording vocals, I would maybe put some acoustic insulation at the first reflection points just to dampen some of those, at least the first reflections out because they typically won't be very pleasant. The final thing I'll mention with the single mic technique before we move on to other techniques, including the Fredman technique, um, is that you can also take something like a heavy moving blanket or just any kind of heavy blankets. Once you've set your microphone up, drape that blanket over the over everything, over the amp, over the um, microphone. And again, the idea there is just to deaden any of the reflections that you could potentially get. We're really looking to get a dry a sound as possible, typically when recording heavy guitars. The one thing you have to be careful with this is if you have a combo amp, which means your amplifier is kind of like a single box, there's a amp section on top maybe, and then the speaker below it. If you have a tube amp and it's a combo amp, the tube amps you probably know get very hot. You don't wanna put blankets on tube amps, right? Because they're designed to get some kind of cooling from the environment and you can overheat your tube amp and break something. In my case, I have a separate head. My, my amp head is separate from the speaker cabinet. So I keep my amp head in a nice cool place. And then I, um, I, put, my, uh, I put a blanket over my speaker cabinet. And another note on that, if you do have a separate, uh, separate system like that where you have a head and then you have a cabinet, you can run very long cable lengths 
of speaker cable, so the, the cable that goes from the amp head to the speaker cabinet can be very long without degrading the sound quality at all. And the reason this can be nice is because you can do something like put your cabinet into an insulated box or something like that out in the garage and just run the cable back out to wherever you are playing the guitar and recording. Uh, so basically you would have the cabinet f somewhere far away in the garage. You have the mic set up there. You put a blanket over the whole thing. The only cables you're running back are one is the, the, the amp cable from the cabinet back to the amp. And two is the microphone cable from the microphone back to your interface. And this can be really nice because now you can sit, uh, kind of listen to the sound that the microphone is picking up without also hearing what the amp is contributing to that, right? So if the amp is like right next to you and the speaker is right next to you and it's just blaring and then you got sound coming out of your studio monitors or your headphones, it can be hard to decide like, where, what am I really hearing here? Am I really hearing more of the amp or am I hearing more of what the mic is picking up? So doing this kind of separation can be very helpful. And this, this is exactly what I do. I keep the amp head right next to me at my kind of control station of my studio. And then I have a separate room, uh, which mostly is used for storage, but I'll set up the cabinet out there and just run uh, my microphone cables and my speaker cables out to that room. So this is really kind of makes things clearer when you're deciding uh, what tones you're getting and what tones you want. Okay, so let's get into some multi-mic technique stuff. Why would you want to use more than one mic? Well, there can be a couple of reasons. You heard probably from this SM57 example, especially with the on-axis mic, it tends to be very fizzy, okay? And so we get maybe like a nice aggressive high-end that's a little bit too fizzy, but maybe we want some something a little bit darker to kind of blend in with it. So this is where we can get into using a second microphone, where we, which we would set up maybe on a different part of the speaker. So maybe we could set up one microphone on the outside of the speaker to get a really dark sound, and another microphone on center to get a really bright sound, and blend those things together. And what we get might be a little different than what we got had we just used one microphone and kind of moved it around to different parts of the speaker. And there's different reasons for this. Uh, one that we'll get into is with this next technique I'm going to discuss, which is a multi-microphone technique called the Fredman technique. I'll talk about a couple of other ones too, but uh, specifically for the song I'm working on here, I used the Fredman technique. I wanted to try it out. I've always wanted to try it. And um, that's what I'm going to be showing you here today. So first, what is the Fredman technique? The Fredman technique is a miking technique for heavy guitar amps that was invented by producer Frederick Nordstrom, who, among other bands, recorded Van Halen. And um, I forget, I think he actually invented it recording for At The Gates, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. But in any case, basically, the way he describes it is uh, they were recording guitars. I think it was for At The Gates. In fact, I'm going to look that up because I don't want to be wrong about this. Yeah, At The Gates. So what they did was they said, look, we're going to record these heavy guitars. We want them to sound really good. We're going to take two days to do nothing but play with different mic techniques. So some of the stuff we're talking about here, uh, but they were using different microphones, different speakers, um, 
different positions, and so on. So at the end of two days, what they felt was the best sound they could get was what ended up being called the Fredman technique. And let me describe this to you. It requires two Shure SM57 microphones, okay? And you position them in such a way that one microphone, we'll call it microphone one, is directly on axis, right? So it's directly smack dead in the center looking at the, the, um, the center of the dust cap. The second microphone, pretend you put it uh, kind of right next to microphone one, so they're touching and they're perfectly parallel. And then you rotate it so that it's about 55 degrees to microphone one, okay? And their corners are kind of just touching. The front corners are just touching, okay? So again, you have one microphone directly on center, put the second one right next to it exactly in line, and then rotate it about that front just so the, the second microphone is making a 55-degree uh, angle, okay? Now, you'll hear some argument about whether it's 45-degree angle or 55-degree angle, and I, to be honest, I'm not even sure how much it matters, but uh, it's somewhere in that range. So you can picture like um, it almost looks like a check mark, okay? And so the idea is that one microphone is on center. We already know what that sounds like. The second microphone or sorry, on axis, the second microphone is kind of off axis, right? It's it's all a little bit off to the side. It's not looking directly at the center. And you may say like, okay, well, what is the advantage of this technique? Well, you'll hear as I play in a second that there's an interesting thing that happens when you combine these two microphones, uh, when you combine the sound of these two microphones. Both microphones are pretty close to the center of the dust cap, and both sound kind of fizzy they have that kind of high-end like i describe it as the sound of paper being ripped right they have that kind of high-end fizz that's not desirable but when you combine them you actually get a little bit of this comb filtering effect where some of those high fizzy frequencies are canceling out okay and so right away you get kind of a smoother distortion it's a really interesting technique if you play either microphone on its own as we're going to do here shortly you'll hear kind of a fizzy sound or a sound that's well, too fizzy. But when you combine them, when you blend them together, that fizziness kind of goes away and you're left with a really nice, smooth sound. I'm going to play you this. Here is the on-axis microphone. <laughs> Very fizzy. Here's the off axis on the Fredman technique. Let me play that again. I'll switch back and forth, starting with the on axis. So they're definitely different, right? The off axis is not quite as bright and fizzy, and it also gets kind of like a little bit of a warmth uh, mid-bump to it that gives it a little more thickness, I would say. But they're still both too fizzy for my taste. Watch what happens when they are combined. 
So let's try first. I'm going to play uh, the on-axis mic by itself and then the, the blend, just so you can hear the difference between those two. Clearly the blend is way less fizzy. Now check out the off axis versus the blend. First the off axis, then the blend. Very interesting, right? Also less fizzy than the off axis. So this is a crazy type of thing where like, we have two microphone positions that are both fizzy by themselves, and when we combine them, we get something that's actually less fizzy. And this is because of that phase cancellation technique. Um, and so, you know, again, you may say, like, listening to the guitar by itself, it's kind of like a toss-up. Like, the off-axis sounds pretty good. Uh, it sounds a little more edgy and aggressive than the blend. But in the context of the mix, I really liked that blend a little bit more. And in fact, let me play this. Uh, the off-axis mic together with the bass and drums, and then the blend. And this is just a mono guitar, so it's uh, you know not a great uh, representation because normally we would double track or maybe even like uh, triple or quadruple track these guitars. But anyway, here's what we get. First with the off-axis. These are not perfectly lined up, but the, you'll get the point. Here's with the off-axis and then the um, the blend. <laughs> I'm gonna do it one more time. So I'm kind of switching every time a, uh, a measure ends. Off axis. Blend. So you can hear that the blend is smoother and kind of creamier a little bit. It just sounds less kind of bitey to me. And I really like that. So, within the context of the Fredman technique, I thought to myself, okay, let's play around with this even more. And I did a couple of different tests. So, I'm not going to play all of them for you, but I'll just give you an idea of kind of how I went about this and some things that you can try if you're curious about this. So, I did um, position, what I called position one, uh, was with the Fredman technique, the, uh, uh, the mic... The center mic was directly on axis, uh, and uh, the, both mics were basically as close to the amp grill as they could get when I was doing all of these tests. Um, and so with that kind of, that's the, the prototypical Fredman position, I thought that my tone was still a little too fizzy, even blending the two microphones together. Now, you might say, well, like, can't you go back and adjust something on the amp? Like, yeah, absolutely I could. But I was just trying to see what, uh, what I could do just with the technique, just so I could know and understand for future reference. So uh, then I tried the same thing, but I slid the whole, uh, both mics over. And by the way, the way um, you can do this with just two microphone stands, just setting up the microphones as I described. But you can actually buy a Fredman clip which is what I have, which uh, this clip 
gives you basically nice and easy angle alignment of the two microphones. So it's a picture a clip that holds two microphones, okay? One it holds at a direct angle and one at a 45 or 55 degree angle depending on which clip you buy. And then that whole clip can be mounted to your microphone stand, which is really nice and easy because you don't have to worry about like setting up two stands and getting them to be perfect and then one stand gets bumped or something like that. So with that, I was able to then move the whole assembly over so that the center mic was actually at the edge of the dust cap. And uh, yeah, basically I'm, I'm referencing all these positions off of that center mic. And that one I thought was a little too muddy. There wasn't enough definition. Let me just play you those two in case you are curious. Here's position one. So this is the prototypical uh, Fredman technique. Here's position two, which is with the whole mic clip slid over so that the center mic is at the edge of the dust cap. They both sound nice, but uh, here's them you know, back to back. One, two. So position two definitely sounded too dark to me, right? It was like a little not enough definition. So then I tried position three where I did like the average between positions one and two, basically with the center mic kind of like halfway between the center of the dust cap and the edge of the dust cap. Oh, the other the other thing I tried was to rotate the microphone that is at an angle. So like, you know, if the microphone is and this is mostly because of that glue blob thing I mentioned earlier. I said like, okay, if the microphone that's at an angle is to the right of my center mic versus below the center mic, what will the differences be like there? And what I found was that I did like uh, the sound the best of the angled mic directly below the centered mic. All right. So in my on this again you have to kind of look at your speaker on my speaker those glue blobs are dead center at the top they're like at the 12 o'clock position and so i tried both i tried with like that off axis mic looking at the glue blobs and then uh looking at the side opposite the glue blobs and i like the side opposite better because i just it sounded like uh, kind of edgier and crunchier to me so here's those those two positions Here's the one where the off-axis mic is looking at the glue blobs. And here's where it's looking opposite. Here's them back and forth. big difference right for something that doesn't seem uh, like it should be such a big difference and i like that result the best i like that uh that last result i played there the best uh let me see my other notes here my final position that i thought sounded the best and again i wouldn't just try this i think uh, you you're gonna have to go through this type of experiment if you really want to zoom in on what's best but for me what was best was picture our Fredman clip. So we have our two SM57s. The center one was 
in the halfway point between the dead center of the dust cap and the edge of the dust cap. And again, the dust cap is that smaller circle that you see in the center of your speaker. So I'm halfway between the center and the edge of the dust cap, and my angled microphone is at the six o'clock position. So it's directly below the straight microphone. Okay, that's what I thought sounded the best. And I tried eight different positions of this. Uh, so here is the uh, here is that final sound that I thought sounded the best. Now, when I double track that, meaning I record the part again and pan it to the other direction, I get uh, what I played in the kind of intro to the episode, which is this. And I was pretty happy with that. Ultimately, I've tried different microphones on my cabinet over the years. Uh, another one I like a lot is a D112, which is a kick drum mic, and it gets kind of a really scooped sound, so there's like not a lot of mids in it, but it can sound pretty cool to blend with another microphone. Um, I've tried some condenser microphones, which tend to be a little too fizzy for me, and plus I just for some reason don't like the idea of putting my nice condenser microphones out in the garage in front of a screaming guitar amp, even though <laughs> even though they can take it, they can take the SPLs. But yeah, something about, you know, the SM57, how durable it is, how, how versatile it is, and how it kind of gives you some of those edgy characteristics you're looking for on heavy guitars just seems to work really well for me. Um, I also have heard really good things about ribbon mics, but they tend to be pricier. And again, I, um, I, I don't own one and I've never tried playing around with that. People also try some crazy things sometimes, like they'll um, put a microphone behind the cabinet and, and try things like that. I personally don't mess around with that. I mean, you can get a certain kind of sound. You can get like a really boomy, dark sound if that's what you're going for. But in the context of what we're talking about in this episode, in the last episode, which is heavy guitars, I really think kind of simpler is better. I think you want to try to not get too fancy. You have a tone presumably that you like, and you should try to capture that tone um, as accurately as you can, unless you're going for some something exotic, which, hey, if you are, that's more power to you. That's awesome. Okay, well, that should pretty much do it for this episode. And again, I'll remind you that um, I work on mixing a lot of heavy guitar music. So if you'd like to get a free test mix, no obligation free test mix, just go to my website for my studio, which is calmfrogrecording.com. You'll see a button for get a free test mix. Fill out a little form. We'll get in touch. I'll give you a private link where you can upload your stems, whatever you've recorded, and I will mix at least a portion of your song. If it's uh, depending on the effort, it might mix the whole thing and send that to you. And you can, uh, worst case scenario, you'll have a reference you can use to understand what your recorded stems can sound like. Best case scenario, you love the mix and we can talk about working together. 
I can almost guarantee that whatever you've recorded, we can make it sound at least a little bit better. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. So give it a shot. If you have any questions about any of this, you can email me at vadim at diyrecordingguys.com or reach out via our Facebook group. Just go on Facebook and search for DIY Recording Guys. We have a community on there. And finally, you can uh, always get us on Instagram at DIY Recording Guys as well. Happy to answer any questions you may have about recording heavy guitars. Like I said, this probably isn't the last time we'll touch the subject because there's a lot more stuff we could play around with here. Uh, we didn't even talk about plugins. We didn't talk about, you know, amp simulations or uh, impulse responses, or we didn't try different pedals. So there's this is a pretty, pretty lengthy topic that we'll, I'm sure, cover again. Until next time, this is Vadim from the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Take care. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.